Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome back to Mindful Moments. My name is Farah. I am your host as usual. I hope you're well. I hope you've had a great week and a great Jummah, great Friday. Um, today we are carrying on with our domestic abuse series. Uh, it's been heavy and it's a heavy start of, for the year, definitely, but very worthwhile. I think we, we've had some great guests and great perspectives from different angles on this really serious and important topic that affects a lot of people in our communities. Um, I'm sure anyone listening probably knows of someone or has had personal experience possibly with domestic abuse. It's unfortunately a lot more common than we'd like to believe. And of course, as you know, we always like to talk about um topics specifically within our muslim communities and things that are a bit more culturally and spiritually or religiously sensitive and to help our community in any way we can um, if you would like to this is a recorded show but if you would like to give your opinions or insights please do contact us on inspire um, Inspire FM, either via our Facebook, social media, WhatsApp. Uh, you can also email us at info at inspirefm.com, I believe. No, .org, sorry. I am doing this off the top of my head and it's a busy day for me <laughs> at work today. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Also, if you'd like to get in contact with our guest uh, or get any more information about the organization that our guest works with again you can contact or reach out to us and we'll be happy to help you in any way we can uh, so let's introduce uh, my guest today she is her name is Saida Raza and she works for an incredible domestic abuse charity and helpline um, called Noor, Noor DV that's N-O-U-R DV um, and has been working there for I actually I'm not sure but I will ask my guest when when um, I introduce her so salamu alaikum Saida wa alaikum salam how are you doing Alhamdulillah, very well, very well, thank you. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, Alhamdulillah, I'm well. Thank you so much for joining. How's your week been? Alhamdulillah, it's been good. Just come off annual leave. Um, so nice. yeah, it's been really well, Alhamdulillah. Okay, and that's annual leave from your work at Noor? It is, yes, it is. Okay, how long have you been working there, Saida? It's been, I think it's coming up to three years now. Alhamdulillah, it's been wow. a good Mashallah, Mashallah. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you have an incredible amount of experiences and stories and insights to give. Um, we'll try and get as much of that in today's show as possible. Um, so what exactly is your role at uh, NOR? And, and it, am I correct in saying it's a specialist organisation for domestic uh, domestic abuse for women? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You're right in saying that. So my role is support and advocacy lead which basically means I overlook all the support services that we have within our organization. I'm kind of the first point of call for clients who are coming in looking for support, um, whether they're in the abuse or they're looking to get out or they have left. So we deal with all areas of support with, with anyone who's dealt with any form of abuse. Okay, great. And and uh, sorry, I think I miscommunicated. It, it, it's not a helpline, but pe how do people reach out to you typically? Yeah, so it's not a helpline. It's typically uh, we've got an email account, a support email account, and that's sort of our first point of call we liaise with clients. Okay, nice. So, so you're obviously quite frontline. Um, 
what made you interested in it? I, I'm assuming it's, it gets pretty heavy. Um, the work I do with Seeking Sukoon and the mental health, uh, the clients we have with various mental health issues and backgrounds, it can get quite heavy. Um, how, how, what got you interested in doing this as, as your main job? <laughs> Um, so my initial background is education, but I wanted to move from that. Now, I, I've had personal experience with abuse, which is sort of where my interest came from. I always wanted to work within an organisation that helped women with abuse. And mm -hmm. I stumbled across more um, after after I had, I had got my divorce and it was like, oh, this is amazing. I'd love to be a part of this. So I initiated with, um, I was a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And then doing that for a couple of months, um, I was offered a job as being a support worker. And then just recently, I was um, given the role of support and advocacy lead. Nice. Well, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had that experience. And unfortunately, for a lot of us in this field of of domestic abuse and helping people, women and men as well, who have gone through this, it's unfortunately triggered or initiated from our own personal experiences or someone very close to us. That's that's gone through it. Um, I'm assuming yours was in, in a marital uh, situation in terms of abuse. Yes, yes, yes it was. Marriage of very, very, very young. It was a long, good couple of years of abuse. That, that yeah. Wow. And it happened very young. Can I ask how old you were? Yeah, so I was 19 when I got married. Um, I, was, I was really quite young. Um, and it was to someone a bit older, um, but it was just abuse pretty much from two weeks after we had got married, that's when it had started and it was on ongoing for about nine years, I'd say. Nine years, wow, okay. And and gosh, I can't even imagine, I don't even know where to start with that. What's the thing that helped you leave? Um, the, the main thing that helped me leave it was, um, I had children at the time and there was an incident where it would have, affected, it would have physically hurt my, my, child, my daughter. And that was sort of like, right, that's it, I, I have to leave. But it was a sort of case of what do I do? Where do I go? What are my options? So it, it was a very scary move and not knowing what's out there. But um, yeah, that was definitely the point. Yeah. Um, can I ask how your family were with leaving? Or um, So initially, I didn't tell them. They, they weren't aware of what was going on. I think I had a fear mm -hmm. of, of letting them down almost. You know, the, the whole cultural thing, once you're married, you're yeah. married. But they were more than supportive. Um, they they helped me. To, to be fair, it was thanks to the family that I was able to, to leave. So yeah, that was the, the bonus. What what do you mean thanks thanks to the families? And they they helped you leave yeah. physically. Okay, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I had left. I was sort of living with my mom for a while, and they had um, you know looking for houses for me to move into. Kind of the the active help that I had to be able to give mm -hmm. me the courage, I guess, to leave right yes I think we do some like we undermine how incredibly important a support network is in these situations for, for women who have gone through um, abuse and, and the fact that the people closest to them need to really believe them and support them and not doubt them um, when they're going through this this experience so that was uh, almost 10 years ago now so or, or longer sorry was it Longer um, than that? It, that's, Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give that away. <laughs> that no. was probably, it's coming up to six, seven years ago now. 
Okay, okay. Uh, just to understand in terms of how perhaps this landscape of domestic abuse and how it's received by the community, um, the topic itself, do you think it's changed? 100% it has totally changed I think what I dealt with back then it was I did get a lot of negative backlash not from my immediate family but the community yeah. in general to, mm. to see how it has changed I feel like it's not so much a taboo topic like it used to be people are speaking about it more and they're more open to it like but it's unfortunate because we we're hearing about a lot more cases like within my work a lot of the, the clients that we have they are predominantly the South Asians and we're hearing about a lot of cases a lot more now which is great we're talking about it but at the same time it's it's sort of bittersweet that there are a lot of people who are suffering through this now yeah I think I, I remember in the, one of my first episodes of, of this series of talking about the stats and how the stats have increased of, of domestic abuse but that could also be just because more women are feeling brave enough to report it and reach out for help so I, I guess that could be a varying factors hopefully not increasing in terms of number of cases but um Okay, so in terms of the cases, what sort of, I mean, you must get a complete spectrum of women coming to you with various different cases and experiences. What do they mainly, what do they come to know about? Because in my head, um, and Habiba from last show was saying people, women may not necessarily feel comfortable going to the police as a first point of contact out of fear of you know something happening to them or their children or so so what's the reasons that women actually reach out to nor for so i mean again like you said uh, we have a whole spectrum of clients i've dealt with clients who are, are in the abuse but they're not sure if it is abuse they think it is but they're not sure and then we go all the way to the point of clients wanting to leave then we've got clients who have left so they're coming to us. A lot of them is just, can I have some information? Can I have some help? I don't know what to do. They just want that support and advice. What are my options? What can I do? And then we do have clients, you know, I, I have had clients who are right in the midst of the abuse, but they're stuck. They can't leave, whether, you know, they might be in danger. A lot of them it's physical danger. So then it's like, how can we help them amongst that peak point of danger for them? Um, and then we've got clients who have left, they've fled, they're in a refuge, um, they need financial assistance or housing assistance. So it's it's a whole array of, of cases. Right. That's, that's amazing. Um, so you do you signpost women, for example, for financial support or in need of a refuge? Do you predominantly signpost to the various other organisations? For refugees, yes, we, it's usually signposting. Um, for financial um, aid, we do have some grants that we give within our own organisation. However, if the clients have uh, different needs, it, we can do external grants for them or try. We'll, we'll signpost wherever we feel like we need to if it's something that we can't help with. Okay, so there's in-house things you do as well. And what about like sort of mental health support? Because obviously they're going through um, a complete shocking time and and just complete stress and trauma that they've just gone through and also often what I find with women especially if they have children is they don't actually manage to process their trauma because they go into complete rational mode I need to do this I need to find a place to say I need to feed my children I need to you know they're just complete thinking brain as opposed to hang on let me feel my emotions what what happens with that 
Yeah, so that's actually the most um, demanding services that we have. We have we've got a counselling service, so we offer long term trauma informed um, counselling sessions to clients, and obviously all of this is free. So I mean, a that's lot of amazing. I mean, yeah, we have um, organisational referrals coming in, um, and we also assist with emotional support that's a little bit more short term but it's just to help clients as they wait for the counseling but i mean the need for that is so so great but also to note that you know, again like i've said a lot of our clients are south asians they they're looking for that cultural understanding which mm. they perhaps won't find in, in maybe some nhs services and things like that so um it's great that we can feel that need for them but it, it's not enough you know it's a shame we can't do more because the need is so great yeah, I do feel the same with, when running Seeking School, the mental well-being organisation here in Luton, and in, in terms of just the number of women that need that cultural connection and even language connection in some cases that unfortunately the NHS cannot provide, but that's why I guess services like yourself and, and Seeking School have set up to try and fill that gap, but I guess you, you have an incredible influx of uh, women coming in and sometimes it must be quite um, uh, overwhelming and, and in terms of how many people you have to actually help. Um, okay, let's move on. And and by the way, the, the, the fact that you provide the trauma service, I think is, and the, the counselling, I think is incredible. Um, a lot of women just don't focus on that. Um, yeah. And then it just leads to issues further down the line in their other if they have go on to have other relationships or, you know, even with their children or what they project onto their children. So it's it's um, amazing, mashallah. Um, so in terms of moving on to what we can sort of um, do as a community to help prevent domestic. Well, first, let's look at helping the victim when the actual incident is occurring. If you see your family or uh, a friend that you know of or uh, some a woman that you think okay she's maybe showing some signs of abuse how how can you perhaps well if you can spot it how can you spot it and then also how what can you do to help I think it's tricky because I and personally for me I made sure I, I do everything I possibly could so that nobody would know so it's hard to right. say, but I think the main thing is is just be there um because I mean I I reached out to one of my friends and it was because she was always there and she, she was always, always had a listening ear but it, the door was open I think the main thing is that we're, we're speaking about abuse more now so people know that okay they're that they can speak so it's just being understanding um and then if you do feel like someone is going through abuse I think the key thing is not to pressure them into getting sort of getting the support they have to be ready to get the support themselves but just let them know you know there are Places you can go for support you know mm -hmm. there's there's help out there for you and then just at their own pace because I think sometimes if we pressure them it scares them and then they're worried because it's already happening right and there's always a strange um it's quite intriguing there's always a protective element for some women over their partner even though the partner is the one who's abusing them so they can often be triggered to become quite defensive of their situation and say no no it's completely fine and often make excuses for the partner right absolutely again it's because there's there's a bond it could be a trauma but there is a bond there whether it, it's their partner isn't it and they could have spent a couple of years you know years with them they may have children there so it's not just as simple as oh just leave or oh 
for instance, just report them, there are other factors mm -hmm. and, and that fear can overtake them. So it's something that they have to be ready to take on and do themselves. Mm -hmm. And again, I, it's incredible, obviously, and unfortunate, obviously you've had this experience, but then you can often speak from experience because you were in that situation for, was it nine years you mentioned? And, and often people just don't understand why a woman cannot leave, even after the man's physically abused her. Um, what, what is the background to that? What, what's their fears? It's a lot of, it's, it's a whole number of factors. For instance, a lot of the, the, the ladies can be reliant on the abusive partner financially. If they mm. leave, what will they do financially? Where will they live? What will the children do? They're dependent on them. So it's not as simple as, oh, just leave. It's, it's a, they have to start fresh, but how, how do they do that when they don't know what their options are? And it's scary because sometimes that's all they know is, is their husbands, you know, we, we have ladies who, you know, who have come from different countries. They don't know the system here. Um, so it is a very scary and it can be quite isolating as well. So. Mm, okay. Okay. So back back to the community and and what we can do to support the victim. So you mentioned, of sometimes women do cover up the fact that they are going through this, and especially from their family members, or perhaps they don't want their mum or their their um, siblings or parents to to worry about them. Um, so you're saying obviously provide a listening ear, always be there in support. So when that person does feel a need or have some confidence to speak out they will know that there there are people to go to um in terms of our community our mosques or um islamic uh you know figures um scholars or teachers what role do you think they have have you had much interaction with them or any expo exposure to their sort of role in uh dealing with these issues in domestic abuse? Yeah, so recently I have, and I have seen an increase, increase in mosques who are, they, I know there's a couple of mosques that, that hold workshops, for instance, on, I was part of one where we delivered a training on what abuse is. Right. So who go to the mosque can come and, you know, learn about what abuse is. And then it's also just actively engaging with the community to, so that they know you can come here if, if you if there's information you want if you want to know about support services so I think it's important for the community as a whole like places like mosques and scholars to be open to that doing training or speaking about it or I know some of them hold like um, crisis cafes almost like whether it's every weekend it's a place where people can come just to speak and get some information I think it's a whole thing as a community if we get together to put those options out there then it's it's an avenue for people to take yeah, that's really great to hear that they're actually they're taking more actionable, you know, proactive steps to raise awareness of the topics. And um, so, I obviously one of the the important things is for the mosques to be aware of all the various organisations like NOR or other um, domestic abuse um, charities uh, that can help um, women or men or families going through this issue. Um, in you were mentioning the workshops. I'm in interested to know if um, that was open to men as well, or was it just for women? This particular one was for women only. It was me and my okay. colleague who ran that. But after we did that one, a lot of the feedback we got from the clients was you need to do one for the for the brothers as well because it's collective for both. So again, yeah. there's a need for, I think in the mosque community, there is a lot more work that can be done but at least we're seeing steps and there are places that are doing it so inshallah it can grow, grow on yeah yeah 
And I am aware of um, Imams Against Domestic Violence, which is a movement of imams or the leaders of the mosques um, sort of working together to create awareness of this in the UK. So, um, it, yeah, I, I'm, the whole the whole dynamic, the landscape is changing, inshallah, and that is warming to know that. Um, OK, and moving on to what was the other thing? We, oh, yes, in terms of prevention. So I guess that's sort of overlapping with what we're talking about at the moment. Um, from your perspective, obviously, you're very frontline and you have a slightly different uh, line of work. But in terms of prevention, what do you think are maybe the key points that can prevent just an increase in or even just men going on to abusing women in marital situations? Obviously, abuse is not just limited to a marital situation. It can be, you know, a father or mother to their to their daughters or a friendship or any sort of relationship really but what do you think um are the key points to prevent abuse from going on and in the to, for the cycle to break from the, the generations that we're seeing at the moment i think the main thing is again this was mentioned at the mosque that i had gone to it's it's knowledge it's talking about it but also giving equipping people with the tools so we mm-hmm. one thing is recognizing what a healthy relationship is a non-healthy relationship and an abusive relationship because they are three different categories so it's almost like giving especially the youngsters as well because as the generation are growing up equipping them with the knowledge of hold on this is how a relationship would be whether it's with your siblings your mother your spouse um and then just being more active within the community to sort of speak about things more because I think in the past that hasn't happened so in my generation it was no you don't talk about it you don't even know the signs but if we speak about the signs we're giving people the knowledge then perhaps it can break the cycle because we can recognize it before we get sort of out of hand and out of control. Mm, that's an interesting point and I feel like as like you said um people in certain generations or the older generations didn't speak about it and it's almost like the elders do especially in the south asian or the muslim community in general the elders have a very important role in terms of everyone listens to them and they can pretty much direct how a family what a family does and doesn't do and it's it it seems i i know a lot of people focus on the younger generations coming up and you know to help them and prevent abuse there and inform them but also at the same time the elders have such a bearing on the families that sometimes it it may be worth holding some sort of workshops or not even workshops I just don't feel like that will work for the older generation <laughs> maybe like die shy or coffee mornings yeah. um in in the mosque or in the centers where all the older women or the aunties or the uncles um congregate and and to give in some talks there yeah. and in that sort of situation what do you think absolutely again we had that feedback from our one workshop that we did we that's the feedback we had can you do one in different languages for instance Bengali or whichever language they they speak in just again giving them the knowledge and equipping them because that's what they need sometimes isn't it they just need to be spoken to or, or, or even heard I mean we there are clients that we have that are that are elderly as well that are coming to ask for support now um so again I think I agree with that 100 percent okay that's really good to know um so Saida, in terms of your personal experiences, obviously you've been through a lot, um, a whole journey and, and some of it starting with your own personal experiences. What, what's it been like for you and how, looking back, 
how how is that been just now you're here working for i'm not for, uh, you do part-time right in 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 nor but um that's your sort of main role at the moment um as well as being an incredible mother um what how do you look back at it all and see where you are now and see what's going to happen in the future inshallah um you know i think that's something i've only recently been able to do um mm -hmm. because you you tr I don't know, I try and prevent myself perhaps sometimes from looking back. But when I look back, I just think it there's, there is always, there was light. At the time, I didn't see that there was going to be light, but there is now. And then to be able to be working in this and giving ladies that the help that perhaps I needed that I didn't find and being able mm -hmm. to understand where they're coming from, it's amazing. But then also to, to again, start fresh. You know the kids are happy and and again it's that safety knowing that it's fine we made it like life's fine now let's go out and help everyone else now it, it's been a journey but you know what it's always alhamdulillah allah's there allah helps allah provides and protects but um inshallah yeah. i always feel like it's a bit of is that saying that everything allah gives us is a blessing even when it seems like a, a complete crisis because we are then at the service of other people with our experiences often unfortunately our experiences are the best qualifications um Saeed, i'd like to thank you so much for coming on and, and taking your time out of your busy sh schedule to share your insights um inshallah if people want to contact noor how, how can they get in touch with noor Yes, so we've we've got our website, uh, we've got email address, so you can do NORDV on Google and we'll come up and we've got a support email address as well, which is support at nordv.org.uk. Um, okay. One of our support workers will be in touch with anyone who needs support. Okay, Jazakallah thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening in. I will see you next time and we'll be continuing our discussion on domestic abuse and the series will be coming to an end soon. Jazakallah khair, Saida, and everyone have a great weekend. Assalamu alaikum.